See, sometimes we treat this resurrection as a future promise with no present reality. I'll think about it later when my death is coming near, when I'm grieving one who's gone. But this promise that death has been defeated, that even death is no longer our enemy for it has been destroyed and we have victory in Jesus. This promise for you and for me strengthens us that we can be steadfast when everything around us is crashing down. That when our whole world as we know it ceases to be and the ones we've relied on and we've loved so deeply for so long, when they too breathe their last and we grieve and we mourn, we have an anchor to cling to, to be immovable. For Christ has risen. He is King over all things. And death has been defeated. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. He is certainly risen. If that doesn't bring you joy, I don't know what will. Not only the fun of screaming and the joy of back and forth banter, but also the truth and the reality that he is actually risen from the dead. It's not just a story we tell and a thing that has been said for thousands of years. No, he actually came out of the grave. See, none of this would matter in the slightest if it's just a good story. For the last several weeks, as we've been preparing for today, we have looked at our grief as Christians and the reality that even though we believe death still stings, even though we know the promises of the things to come, it still hurts today when people sin against us, when our own sins cause us and those we love all kinds of pain. It still hurts today when we watch people slowly die. And we see their bodies deteriorate and there's nothing we can do to fix it. Or when they die suddenly with no forewarning and we're left wishing we had just one more moment to say all the things we should have said and do all the things we should have done and we're left with all the what ifs. And we're filled with pain and sorrow and grief. But today, all of that grief has hope. All of that pain has a source of healing. In fact, the word salvation that we use comes from the word salve, which means a balm for healing, an ointment to bring to you and me who are broken and not okay. Peace, when everything is troubled. We are here this morning because this is not just a good story. It is true, and it is really, really good for you and me. 
See, sometimes as Christians, Easter becomes the main goal. In fact, if you've ever noticed, it's really easy on Easter to celebrate and say, well, I did my thing for the year. And then throughout the year, whether we come to church or not, we forget about Easter. We think this is just that thing that happened once then, or maybe it's a good story that encourages us through the hard times, but we forget this is 100% fact. He has risen from the dead. What wasn't read in Matthew is this little section in between. After Emily read that section, what comes next? All the guards who were there to keep the disciples from stealing his body. They go and they report that he is gone. That the tomb was rolled open by an angel. That Jesus has risen from the dead. And they're paid to spread a lie. They're paid to tell people his disciples stole him. Because it makes way more logical sense to believe that radical followers of this man would come and steal his body because in all other cases of somebody claiming to rise from the dead, that would have been true. Nobody else in the history of the world has ever risen from the dead by their own power. And if they had, it would really freak you and me out. So there's a story that's included that the guards were told Just lie and say that he was stolen. And still to this day, there are many people for a variety of reasons who claim Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. Some say it just appeared that he died and he never really died. Some say he died, but then they just stole his body so they could tell this story. And others say maybe he did and maybe he didn't. It doesn't really matter. If this faith encourages me now, so what? Well, today as we dive into Scripture, I want you to hear this. If your faith is a source of encouragement only for now, and the rest of it isn't true, your faith is entirely in vain. See, Jesus is not just a good mentor or source of encouragement right now. He's not just somebody that helps us be a better person. In fact, every religion in the world has a whole principle and set of guidelines for how we become better people. Every one of them. But only Christianity has a God who actually rose from the dead to prove it all to be real. To seal it and guarantee it, this is for you. Today we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you would like to follow along, we'll be on page 1,199 of the blue Bibles in front of you. For those of you sitting upstairs, there's some blue Bibles along the walls. You're welcome to get up and grab them or use your phone if you'd prefer or your own Bible, though I can't tell you what page number it's on if you do that. Page 1,199, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. Now, here in the South, we use gospel for a whole bunch of things. Like you see gospel church and gospel that and gospel music and gospel choirs, and oftentimes you're not really sure what they're all about, other than usually big big hair and lots of loud singing and emotions, and sometimes a whole lot of condemnation for sinners like you and me. But the gospel means good news. This is the good news that I proclaimed to you. 
The good news that you know to be true. This is what he says. And by which you are being saved. This good news continues daily to bring healing to our lives. An ongoing process. You are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. Unless you believed in vain. For I I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture. That He was buried. That He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And that He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. This is the good news for you and me. That Christ died in accordance with the Scriptures. You see, all of God's Word demands that death is the natural consequence, the outcome of our sinfulness. If you have ever done anything wrong and you are not perfect, you will die. Did you know that? All of our series on grief is the reality that none of us can escape death. Both our own death, but also the death around us of our bodies failing and our friends leaving and the hurt that comes from sin. We cannot escape it. Jesus is not your get-out-of-jail-free card that makes everything in life wonderful. Now, being a Christian, it's still okay for a whole lot of things to not be okay. To feel the weight of all of the sin around us. Paul, he says, this is what I preach. That Jesus died in accordance with Scripture. As the Word said He would. As God promised there in the garden before He ever gave death to Adam and Eve. As He said there would be a descendant, one who would come, who would crush the serpent. This enemy who taunts us who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, who seeks to remind us of our death and our mortality and our failures and our shame. As was promised, Jesus has died. And he was buried. And he rose again. This is the good news for you and me. It says he appeared first to Cephas and then he appeared to the 12 others, to all the disciples. It goes on to say that he appeared to over 500 different people. He didn't just show up to one or two people and say, now you convince everybody this is true. No, he showed up in the flesh and let them feel his hands and see his scars and eat breakfast with him. And he said, this is real. Go and tell everyone what you have seen. Paul, he continues in verse 12. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? See, it's really tempting when we see death and sin and sorrow and sickness and pain all around us to say this whole story is good, but it's just a metaphor. We all die and that's that. There's nothing after death, so live your best life now. There's nothing later to come, so by all means, you only live once. Go for it. Live bold. Live big. Do as you please, because this is it. It says, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Paul continues, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. 
And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If your faith in Christ is about life now, just be a better person and get it right tomorrow. You will miss everything that it's really about. If he is just a good story and not truly raised from the dead, then none of this matters. Because we can find a whole plethora of ways to try to be better people and to not sin as bad as we did yesterday and try to generally make the world around us better. But if we make the world around us better and it continues to die, all we're doing is putting makeup on that which is dead. Putting a band-aid on that which is no longer bleeding because there's no life left in it. None of our best efforts to make this world better matter if Christ is still dead. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If Jesus is just a good story, there is no hope for you and me. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Language often used throughout the New Testament to describe those who have already died. You are asleep in the time. That's the way it describes what happens after death. It says, if those who died believing in Christ died and he never actually rose from the dead, then there's no hope for them either. All is lost. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If the resurrection only matters, sometimes, if it's only a good story to point us to a way to live better, or to convince us to be filled with guilt and do the right thing instead of the wrong, if it's only something that we think about sometimes for the most to be pitied. See, our Christian faith at its core is fundamentally different than every other religion. We do not believe that God came to make bad people good. None of this word is about making you a better person. We believe that God came to make those who were dead alive. And all of this word is about you and me who were dead in our trespasses, bound to sin, bound to hurt those whom we love and not to help those who need our help, bound to do what is wrong, to not just make us good people, but to come alive again. To have God's spirit breathed in us that we could be brand new people, not simply doing better, but being filled with hope and joy and peace and love that surpasses all understanding that nobody else in this world can have. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people the most to be pitied. But, in fact... Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. 
For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For those of you who were here with us on Ash Wednesday or some of our Wednesday nights leading up through Lent, you may have heard of my friend Andrew, a seminary classmate who was with me who for 10 years has been battling cancer. And I shared over these last several weeks that his battle with cancer was coming to an end, not because he was becoming cancer-free, but because he was finally fully dying as a result. There was nothing left they could do. And I shared some of his wife's journey alongside him and some of his journey leading to his own death, the thoughts and the fears and the hurt and the pain, even as a man who fully believes in the promise of the resurrection. My friend Andrew Andrew died this last Tuesday. We're singing that song about then came the morning when the roaring lion declared death has no hold on me. And it hit me this morning just how often I forget that promise myself. When we grieve sin and sorrow and death itself, it's so easy to remember Oh yeah, that's someday in the future. And forget that that promise of the resurrection is now for you and for me. My friend's wife is grieving as a widow in her early 30s. And she's grieving filled with hope. Because she knows that today her husband is cancer free. Today, he's no longer weak and sorry and hungry but unable to eat. Today, he's no longer suffering and miserable. And that does not take away the pain, but it adds something alongside the pain that nobody else in the world gets to have. A promise. A promise that will never be broken. That the resurrection is real. For you and for me, just as it was for Jesus. And when we grieve and our hearts are heavy and we miss those whom we love and we watch as they die and when things feel like they're lost, we have a sure and steadfast hope, an anchor to return to a place we know nobody can ever take this away. Our enemy, death, has been defeated. It has been destroyed forever. And though here and now we still walk in this world experiencing death, we know that this promise is not a wishful hope for the future. It is set in stone, guaranteed this will be. Full stop. You will have life everlasting. Paul, he continues in verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. 
For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. See, sometimes we treat this resurrection as a future promise with no present reality. I'll think about it later when my death is coming near, or when I'm grieving one who's gone. But this promise that death has been defeated, that even death is no longer our enemy, for it has been destroyed and we have victory in Jesus. This promise for you and for me strengthens us that we can be steadfast when everything around us is crashing down. That when our whole world as we know it ceases to be and the ones we've relied on and we've loved so deeply for so long, when they too breathe their last and we grieve and we mourn, we have an anchor to cling to, to be immovable. For Christ has risen. He is King over all things. And death has been defeated. And therefore, in this life, we don't just live thinking eventually we'll escape this world and have life everlasting later. In this life, we can always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Whatever we do, we can do unto Him because everything we do now has meaning because it will not end in our death, but has everlasting results and outcomes. Everything we do now for our neighbor will last into eternity and not stop when we die. So we can love those who are unlovable and forgive those who have wronged us and serve those who we should not serve because we're too far above them or so we think we can become the least of these, abounding in the work of the Lord. Because no matter what is done against us, no matter what looms in front of us, the hardships and the pain and the sorrow, Christ is risen. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, death still stings when we grieve those who are gone. But you are our steadfast and immovable anchor, our solid rock in which we stand. Our life is no longer in vain and our efforts are not futile for you truly have risen from the dead. You have given everything that even death is defeated. God, you invite us to live each day 
abounding in the work of the Lord, loving and serving and caring, being kind to our enemy, praying for those who persecute us. You invite us to stand in all of our sorrow with hope, not wishful thinking. We ask today that this promise of the resurrection would fill us with strength. Strength for today, strength for tomorrow. To resist the devil in all his ways. To stand firm in this ever-changing world against all schemes of the enemy. May we be filled with this constant hope that you are not just a good story, but a promise for every one of us today, tomorrow, and forevermore. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every week when we gather in this place, we gather, and one of the ways that we worship is by collecting an offering. And the reason we collect an offering in this place is because we know with certainty that there is a whole bunch of neighbors who live around us and in our city at large and in our workplaces, a whole bunch of people who don't know this good news, that death has been defeated, that Jesus truly is risen. He is absolutely risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And he is our hope. And we believe that in this place together, not only in the way we live and love and serve, but in the things we do together and individually in our communities and our workplaces, we get to help share with others this hope. That when they're grieving and sin and sorrow weighs heavy in their hearts, we can speak with confidence this truth. There is a promise waiting for you, not just tomorrow, but today. A source of peace in troubled times. And so in this place, we believe that through our giving, we get to participate in the work that God is doing and sharing that good news with others. So if you came prepared to give today and you would like to use cash or check, if that's how you prefer to give, you can do so by placing your gift in the little black boxes as you exit. If you filled out one of those connect cards with a way we can be praying with you, or something you need encouragement from us in, or even just how we can connect with you throughout the week, you can place that card in those boxes as well. They're on the walls right by the doors as you exit. And if you're somebody who prefers to do everything online, you can give online or fill out that connect card online at thepointknox.com by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't get your give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Before we get into your questions and answers, uh, or at least I'll do my best to answer, um, as you notice, the stage looks a little bit different today. I would just like to say a special thank you to Emily and Tyler and my wife. They were here for several hours last night making that happen. And then also to Mark and Michelle Witte. They spent several hours this week um, building those panels that will help with some of the sound and also brighten the stage. So thank you guys for all of your hard work. I really appreciate it. It looks very good. So what questions came in today, Tyler? All right, well, we've got a few in here, and they're all pretty easy, I think. So if anyone wants to send a really hard one, go for it. You got it's not time. too late. You can sneak it in. Um, first question, why do we reply, he is risen indeed, hallelujah, instead of just as he said? Exclamation point. That's a good question. 
I think it's just more fun to shout, he's risen indeed. Hallelujah. But we could reply just as he said, like he promised he was going to rise from the dead. Which means everything he promised we can believe is true because everything he said he did and will do. So, I don't know, if you want to reply just as he said, go for it. But either way, he is risen. Yeah, pretty fun. Uh, okay, someone said wonderful service and worship. I agree. Thank you, guys. Um, why do people celebrate Easter with a bunny if it's all about God? Kids, cover your ears. <laughs> Parents, cover your kids' ears. No. <laughs> Um, I have no idea. I think at one point, probably because bunnies are highly fertile, they represent spring and life, and somewhere along the lines, the idea of Christ bringing us life got mixed together, and now it's highly commercialized. And if you're going home and having Easter baskets and all the fun Easter things, I'm not going to spoil your fun, because that's also a lot of fun, and you can do both. But I would just say, uh, make sure it's about Jesus first, and then all the chocolate second. Bunnies are fun creatures. And I've, I've never seen bunny poop that actually tastes like chocolate, so that part really confuses me. I, I didn't realize the chocolate was the poop. Isn't that what the eggs are? I don't know. I've had chickens. That's where eggs come from. Just saying. It's all good questions. <laughs> the mysteries of life. Uh, okay. When Pilate refused to correct the sign on Jesus' cross, the king of the Jews, is there a thought that... This may have been a sign Pilate uh, believing. Hold on. Sorry, I misread this. Is there a thought that this may have been a sign of Pilate believing that Jesus was the Son of God? It's possible that Pilate believed. Who knows? And who knows what God did in Pilate's heart after the fact? Um, I think he refused to change the sign. One, because um, it's not a punishable offense to say that you, you think you're the king or the Son of God, but it's a punishable offense to actually believe that you're the king so if he was to put jesus to death for just um, speculation that's different than an actual crime so maybe he believed maybe not it would be incredible to stand before god one day and have Pilate and judas and a whole host of other people there but we'll see cool uh and i think this is the last one uh why when on the cross did jesus ask god uh had forsaken him because all of our sin required the full wrath of God. And so Jesus, he bore on that cross all of God's wrath, which meant for a moment when he cried out, God was not there to answer. God had turned his back from his son, what you and I in our sinfulness deserve. And so there was a time when Jesus was separated from his father, a pain I've never felt and hope to never know. And thankfully through Jesus never will know. Also, uh, that's from Psalm 22, and so he's quoting a psalm that's all about his enemies surrounding him and God abandoning him, and then at the very end, there's this promise of Psalm 22 that's like, but my God will rescue me. And so some people speculate that Jesus crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, was also because all the Jewish people there would have known that psalm and then would have begun to remember this promise that God would rescue, even in that moment. I think that's kind of cool. Anything else? We had two more come in. Um, hmm. Yeah, maybe we don't read one of these. Uh, 
Easter. If it's a real question, you can read it, even if it's a What problem. about that's what he said? We could reply with that's what he said. I think that's an office he, reference. Yeah, he is risen. That's what he said. <laughs> Probably in a different tone, I would assume. That's pretty but. funny. I was uncertain if I read that one or not. Um, all right, and then the last one. Easter with treats and bunnies has to do with the pagan spring fertility fest- festival. Could be. Uh, I've heard that too. I haven't done a lot of study into that, so it could be an attempt to recognize where people were and meet them where they were and then say, hey, let me tell you the real source of life. Um, maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's not. I would say if your goal is the bunny, then you're really missing the point. Uh, if your goal is Jesus and you also have lots of chocolate, that's what I'm hoping for this afternoon. Yeah. Cool. I think it's that all everything. Man. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tyler. As always, every week, you're welcome to text in your questions. I'll do my best to respond. And the things that really stump me, I'll respond later in the week online or next week, Sunday. Uh, So all throughout the week, that number will be on our website. You're welcome to text in your questions anonymously, and I'll see what I can do. Now, as you go this joyous Easter week, go with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. He is risen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.